be continuing our lesson on holiness, our series on holiness. Of course, we all desire to be holy. The Bible tells us explicitly, be ye holy as I am holy, right? Hallelujah. So today what we're talking about is holiness, but what it means to be holy. And really what we've determined is holiness means to be whole and to be committed to God in a filling sense, in a full sense. So in other words, I can't say, well, I'm partly holy. There's no such thing. You can't say that you're just partly uh, set apart by God. There's no such thing. Either I'm holy God's or I'm not holy, right? Either I'm completely God's or I'm not God's. And tonight we're going to talk a little bit more about that. Now, again, I said this last week, ironically, in a course talking about being whole, we will not be able to give a whole view of holiness. This is not meant to be a list of rules for you to abide by. Because if all we have is a list of rules, we'll only ever do that. And there's no way I could provide you with a list of rules in order to be holy. So in this course, we're talking about principles on how to live for God wholly and completely. Hallelujah. And this one's going to be a little bit more intense, I imagine, than the ones before it. But I believe that there is a principle here and uh, some ideas here that we have to hold on to and grab a hold of as we go through this course. So this is lesson four. Praise God. Not sure why it has that on there. Can you go and check that out for me? That scripture is correct. I'm not sure why I put on lesson three. Uh, Anyhow, it's okay if it is. The lesson four, that was last week's lesson. Lesson four. Oh, you know what? I just didn't change the three. So that is correct. I'm sorry, Brother Kavan. This is lesson four, and it is separated and dedicated. That is our focus tonight, separated and dedicated. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 13, if you'd like to head in your Bibles, we're going to read a few passages of Scripture here. Second Corinthians chapter six, verse thirteen through eighteen. It says, Now for a recompense in the same, I speak as unto my children. Be ye also enlarged. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness, and what concord hath Christ with Belial, or Satan, or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel, or an unbeliever, and what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God, as God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. 
Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Praise God. Now, I know that's a rather long passage of Scripture, but there's quite a few different points here. First, he does make quite a bit of different comparisons. What fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, light with darkness, Christ with Belial? You know, there are some things that I looked up that just don't go together, right? Some things just don't go together, like vinegar and bleach. (laughs) You should never mix Vinegar and bleach, in fact, you're unable to mix them together, if I understand correctly. Uh, You should never mix milk and Red Bull. I'm not a big Red Bull fan, but online, that's what it said. So if, if you're an energy drinker, here's just a little warning for you, right? Cereals made with milk, not water, okay? Cereal and water, it they do not Mix. I don't know if you've ever brushed your teeth real good in the morning, didn't think about it, sat down at the table, took a big swoosh of that orange juice, and man, does it not taste good. Orange juice and toothpaste, they just don't mix. Light and darkness, literally, you cannot mix it because darkness is simply the absence of light. We try to say or think like these are two things that are in fighting against each other. In actuality, darkness is just simply where light isn't. They cannot mix. Darkness flees at the presence of light. Amen. Praise God. And finally, Christ and Satan do not mix. And obviously today we're not trying to give, I'm not trying to give you uh, health tips or eating tips or anything like that. But we are looking at a comparison between us, uh, between these, these ideas of light and darkness not mixing, unbelievers and believers not mixing. Paul, in this passage of Scripture, was addressing the Corinthians. First of all, he addresses them as unto my own children, right? So again, just like last week, he is speaking to the church at Corinth with much affection, a fatherly love. He's saying, I'm going to tell you some things that are quite difficult for you to hear, but I need you to recognize it's coming from a place of a fatherly love for you. Praise God. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Uh, Hallelujah. It's coming from a place of love that, that ye are my children. I'm speaking to you like I would speak to my own children. And then he says, be ye also enlarged. Now to us, that may seem like a strange saying. What he means by that is he wants their relationship to grow. He says, in other words, open up your hearts in the same manner toward me as I have done toward you. Open up yourself to what I have to say to you. Open up yourself. If you want to grow, if your affection, if you desire for your affection to grow, you need to enlarge your infection, affection toward me. If they are to enlarge their affection toward the church, the minister in Christ, Paul did warn them, however, and say, if you are to be enlarged with me, 
then I'm sorry to tell you, be ye not unequally yoked with unbelievers. That was a direct warning after that mindset. If you are to grow, if you are to be enlarged with the church and the minister and God, then here's a warning. If you choose one, you can't have the other. And if you choose the other, you can't have the one. Praise God. This is going to be intense today. Is that all right? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Because what fellowship hath darkness with light? They can't even be in the same room together. How can we fellowship with sin? How can we fellowship with the world? How can we mix in? I'm here to tell you, Christians and the world do not mix. Praise God, like Christ and Satan, or light and darkness, or even milk and Red Bull, praise God, or orange juice and toothpaste. That's why the Bible says, and Paul said, come out from among them and be ye separate. Hallelujah, come out from among. He says, if you want to be close to me, if you want to be close to God, if you want a stronger relationship with God, you're going to have to leave some things behind. But I'm here to preach to you the flip side of that as well. If I am to come out from among them, then I get to come in unto a better relationship with Christ. Uh, Hallelujah. If I come out from among them, I get to enter into a relationship with Christ uh, where he is my father and I am his son. Uh, Oh, oh, praise the Lord. If I walk out, come out uh, from among them, I get the spirit of God, the power of God, the glory of God, the righteousness of God, the peace of God, the joy of God, the fruit of the spirit, the gifts of the spirit. Oh, praise God. Hallelujah. He's trying to say yes. If I want all those things, then I have to leave. And I must come out. But you come out in order to go in. Everybody say, come out to go in. Oh, I feel the Holy. Can we clap our hands? Oh, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. So let's talk about the whole Old Testament Hebrews' view of holiness. Their view of holiness looked much like this. The Old Testament Hebrews, holiness was more than just, oh, I don't want to sin. Isn't that often how we narrow down holiness in our simplistic way of thinking? But to the Hebrews, it was so much more than that. To the Hebrews, holiness included both the negative concept of separation and the positive concept of dedication. See, we actually hurt ourselves on both fronts when all we say is, oh, I just need to not sin. Because first of all, It's much greater, being holy, as we've talked about all month, is much greater than just not sinning, right? Hallelujah. But we're also losing the idea of being dedicated and sold out to God and how blessed that is, praise the Lord. 
Hallelujah. We get so caught up in, okay, I can't do this, and I can't do this, and I can't do this. Hallelujah. That we forget that all of that I'm laying it aside so that I can have a blessed relationship and fruitful relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I need to move on. Examples of Old Testament negative and positive concepts. First of all, we see the Sabbath. The Sabbath in the Old Testament was holy because it was separated from work, travel, and other mundane activities. They could not do those things on that day because it was dedicated to rest. And they were contrary to each other. You cannot have rest and work, right? <laughs> have anybody ever tried it? Praise God. Hallelujah. My, uh, my brother and I, oh, if I start getting into personal stories, we'll be here all night. But my brother and I, when we were young, I mean young, okay, I was like 14, I believe. Uh, we worked at a Hispanic grocery store down the road from our house. And uh, we actually worked full-time, even though we were 14. It was obviously not legal, praise God. But um, we worked full-time, and what we would do is we knew exactly where the cameras were. And little 14-year-old Aaron and 16-year-old Chris, my older brother, you know, when we didn't want to work, we didn't work. And there was no accountability for 14- and 16-year-old Aaron and Christopher, so we would literally go in the back. There was one camera in the back, and we'd set up a bunch of bags of whatever or boxes of whatever, and we would take a nap right there. And we would take turns taking naps. And one would come out, okay, your turn. So then, you know, then I'd go back there, and I'd take a nap, and he'd keep an eye on the door just in case. Hallelujah. That has nothing to do with the lens. I just thought you'd like to know that. Praise the Lord. But again, it's impossible to work. And to rest, right? You can't do both. Sometimes you have to sacrifice the one for the other. And it's on the flip side as well. Sometimes you have to sacrifice rest in order to work and get ahead and make money and do what you want to do because you got to make money sometimes so that you can find rest, right? Praise God. So again, they are opposites of each other. They understood I need to be separated in certain areas so that I can dedicate myself to another area. The temple or the tabernacle vessels were holy because they were separated from all ordinary use and dedicated solely to sacred use. Don't, don't go in the, the tabernacle looking for a spoon, all right, <laughs> to eat your soup because they were set apart. You can't use these vessels. You can't use these pieces of equipment or, or furniture. They were separated and dedicated for only certain uses. And it was important that they were separated and dedicated. The temple was holy, because it was separated by degrees from certain groups or different groups. We know that only the high priest could go into the most holy place. Nobody else was allowed in there. Again, it was reserved because that was the most holy, the most reserved, the most exclusive room in all of the earth 
was that room right there. Not just anybody can walk in there. Only the one person, the one man, the high priest could enter in there. And then if we come out a little bit, we know that only the priest could actually enter into the tabernacle at all. A normal, everyday person could not walk into the tabernacle. They couldn't even walk through the front doors. It was reserved purely for the priest. Why? Because that was the place of sacrifice and ministry unto the Lord. And it was reserved for the ministry. Then we come out a little bit more. We have the outer courts of the tabernacle where, or the temple where people could see the activity going on. They could see the, the sacrifices and the brazen labor and all of that. And that only there were the worthy Israelites able to come. The Gentiles could not enter in at all. Once again, because it was separated by degrees from different groups so that it could be dedicated unto God for the act of atonement, which ultimately led to their salvation. Now, again, these are just examples, uh, Old Testament examples of the idea and the concepts of separation in order for dedication. Finally, the bloodline of Abraham was holy because the Israelites were separated from the people of the world and dedicated solely to intercultural relationships. In other words, they could not marry somebody who wasn't a Jew or an Israelite. In fact, it even would go deeper than that. If you were of the family of Judah, you were expected to marry somebody who was from the family of Judah. Because they wanted to preserve their family heritage. And it was special to them. It was holy to them. So in order to be dedicated to that family bloodline, they had to be separated, right? So we got to understand this idea. If I am to be committed to a certain thing, then that means I'm going to have to sacrifice a few other things and be separated from a few other things. Hallelujah. On the, the idea of Abraham, Abraham is there with his relatives, lives with his relatives, and God calls him out and tells him to go where I'll tell you to go. He didn't even tell him where. He just said, start walking. I'll tell you when to stop. Hallelujah. Because Abraham was called to preserve the bloodline of Jesus Christ. And God says, I don't want that tainted, so I want you to come out from the relatives. I want you to be separated and dedicated to me. Hallelujah. Oh, praise the Lord. I don't know about you, but the more I get in this, the more I want to be dedicated to the Lord and the more I want to be separated from anything that messes that up. Because I want you to consider, I'm trying to change our thought pattern as to holiness here. They consider this. The more important something is to us, the more exclusively we treat it. Am I right? Hallelujah. Oh, praise God. You better believe that if I have my favorite dessert, I'm not sharing it with you. 
Am I right? Because the more we value something, the more we want it to ourselves. Now, if you're really hungry, I guess. But again, the more we value something, the more we, value, we, uh, uh, we make it exclusively ours. And this is true in every sense of the world. Right now, actually, there are private art collections that are getting recognition because they are so grand and big. There's actually a couple, uh, Ali and Edith Broad. They have nearly $3 billion in art. And the only people who get to see it are close friends and family members. I didn't write it down, but I saw actually one story of a man who had purchased a piece of art. He loved it so much that when he began to grow sick and he knew he was going to die, he wanted to be cremated (laughs) with that piece of art. And they tried to fight against it, and they said no and all this stuff. That was the last they heard of it. Now they can't hunt it down anywhere. I'll tell you where it is. Hallelujah. (laughs) It's in that grave or that, that jar with his ashes, praise God. So, uh, I mean, but, but what, what I'm trying to say is these extremely important, expensive pieces of art. Maybe you disagree with this. You think they should be given for all people to see, but they love these pieces so much. They said, no, I want it for myself. I want it exclusively to be mine. I brought here today something that is one of my most cherished possessions. This is my Bible. You hear me talking about my Bible, this is it right here. I've got many Bibles, but this is my Bible right here. And because you probably have not seen it because I don't take it out very often. As you can see, it's getting pretty old. It's falling apart. If I'm not careful with it, this whole thing will just fall right apart right here. This right here is so precious to me. And yes, it's not the most expensive Bible in the world, and maybe it doesn't have all the different things that some of these other Bibles have, but this Bible is the most important because after I preached my very first sermon, my parents took me to a Bible bookstore, and they bought me this Bible, to, which to me at that time, it was very expensive, something I couldn't afford. They bought me this Bible, and it became my companion and it became my friend. It became something that I held so dear to my heart. I've preached more sermons out of this thing right here than any other book or Bible, hallelujah, that I own, hallelujah. And so this has become so precious to me. And if somebody asks for, if they could borrow it, I'll tell you, I got a bunch of other Bibles you can borrow. You're not borrowing this because it's important to me, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Don't you know that's how God looks at us? He says, I don't want you to be separated because I don't want you to have fun or because I want you to not have relationships or this or that. He says, I value you. I cherish you as an individual. I've called you to be mine and I'm going to be yours. That's why I've separated you and called you to be dedicated to me because I value you that much. I value you. Oh, I value you that much. So that's the Old Testament view. What about the New Testament? 
building on the Old Testament concept of holiness, the New Testament teaches a corresponding twofold definition of moral holiness for God's people. It is separation from sin and the world system. And number two, dedication to God and His will. Now, now let me be very, very clear. I'm not here to condemn anybody. I'm not here to do anything of the sort. I'm here to give you some information so that you could take that and allow God to just put it in your heart and figure out how can I apply that and become a better Christian. That's what I'm trying to do here today. Hallelujah. So if these things don't match you, if maybe maybe you're not you know, to that place yet, then you just, you just keep seeking after God and just keep letting God deal with you. Amen. Hallelujah. New Testament Christians are to be separated from sin and the world system. That when he says, come out from among them and be ye separate, he's not just talking about sin. He's talking about sinners. And he's talking about the prevalent atmosphere in the world, which is carnality. It is God's desire that we be separated from the carnality of this world. Now, does that mean I can't do anything at all? That doesn't mean that. It means, again, the sinful atmosphere that is prevalent in this world, we must separate from that. And we must be dedicated to God and His will. New Testament Christians are to be set apart as the priesthood. Did you know that God's called you to the priesthood? Hallelujah, I got one amen. But he was supportive. He said it twice. Did you know you were called to be part of the priesthood? Amen. First Timothy, first Peter, rather, chapter 2, verse 9. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Hallelujah. Oh, isn't that just so precious? You are a chosen generation. Again, God looked down into the world system and he pinpointed you and he pinpointed me. He called us and he chose us and he set us aside as a royal priesthood, meaning we're part of a royal bloodline of priesthood coming down from Jesus Christ, our high priest. He says that you have become a holy nation, or in other words, a set-apart nation. Now we're no longer part of the world. Now we're over here, and we look different, and we act different, and we go to different places. Hallelujah. We find relaxation in different things. Our educational system is different. Oh, praise God. Hallelujah. We're set apart. Peculiar. Praise God. Just a little different. Just a little different than everyone else. Not to act like we're better than anybody else, but just a little different. Because God says, you're not part of that system anymore. Now you're part of a heavenly kingdom. Praise God. You're part of a heavenly kingdom. A royal priesthood. 
And it was so important that the royal priesthood in the New Testament or the Old Testament be set apart. I could go on and on about all the different things, but one sermon I preached just a couple years ago was they had to wear a little thing on their head that said, Holiness unto the Lord. And what it was meant to reflect is that the priest was set apart from everyone else. You looked at the priest, he had the garments of the priesthood on. He acted different. He looked different. He talked different. He represented God. When they looked at the priesthood, they could they were supposed to be able to see and consider God. He reminded them of God. Hallelujah. And here we are today. God says we are a royal priesthood. All the same ideas apply to us. I don't know about you, but when people look at me, I want them to think about God. When people look at me, I want them to consider how God is. And the only way I can do that is be ye holy as I am holy. Isn't that what the scripture says? Be ye holy as I am holy. The only way I can do that is I have to stop worrying about what the world does and start worrying about what this says. Right? And no matter how good or bad the world is, that's not my measurement of holiness. This is right here. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, if you've been part of our higher, uh, our Discover Purpose class, then you've heard me say this before. I heard a preacher one time, he gave this example. He said, you know, uh, it used to be back in the day that, you know, the world and the church were similar. You know, the, the church was maybe about right here in, in holiness and morality and purity. And the world was, you know, maybe about right here, right? They weren't that far below us, but they were still below us because we held a biblical model. He said, but the problem is, is as the world has gotten more and more unrighteous, immoral, not pure, uh, just sinful. He says, as the world has gone down, the church has slowly gone down with it. Where we said, well, maybe we can't hold this level up here because the world's all the way down here. We got to bridge a gap. Well, I don't know about you, but I know my Bible never changes. Hallelujah. The Bible says it's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hallelujah. And maybe the world changes and more things become more acceptable in the world. But if the Bible says don't do it, the Bible is true and let every man be a liar. Amen. If the Bible suggests that it should be avoided, then we should avoid it, right? Now, I know, hallelujah, I'm, I'm talking a lot on hard things today, but, but we're holy priesthood. We're royal priesthood. We must hold ourselves to a higher standard than the people of this world. We've been called to something wonderful, hallelujah. We should be different, praise God. Praise God, because we've been dedicated to God. I've dedicated myself to the Lord. I should be different. I should hold myself to a higher standard. Isaiah 52 and 11. It says, Depart ye, depart ye. Go ye out from thence. Touch no unclean thing. Go ye out of the midst of her. Be ye clean. 
that bear the vessels of the Lord. He's talking to the priesthood. Those who bear the vessels of the Lord. He says, don't be like everybody else. Oh, I don't know why I feel the Holy Ghost so strongly today. He says, don't be like everybody else. Don't touch the things that they're touching. It's not good for you. Be clean. Don't look at the same things they look at. Don't listen to the same songs they listen to. Again, I'm not here to claim and condemn the world and all the people. I'm not here to do any of that. I'm just here to say I'm dedicated. Hallelujah. I'm dedicated. So I want my ears to be pure, my eyes to be pure, my heart to be pure, my thoughts to be pure. Hallelujah. So I got to come out of that worldly system because I am part of the priesthood. New Testament Christians are to be set apart as the temple of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 16, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy, for the temple of God is holy. Sorry. The temple of God is holy which temple ye are. Now, now I, I love this. You see, he didn't say you are to be holy. He didn't say you're a temple, so you are holy. He says a temple of God is holy. And if you're going to be a temple, that means you got to be holy. That's what he says here. The temple of God is holy or set apart, which temple ye are. Hallelujah. In this passage of scripture, he's specifically talking about sexual relationships, about relationships with other people. He's talking about defiling the body through certain relationships that are unholy and impure. And that's why he's emphasizing this. He was saying your body is a temple of God. Don't defile it by doing this or doing that. Obviously, we recognize today that, that it's okay for us to have relationships in the holiness of marriage. But outside of that, the Bible is very clear. Now, I didn't put this in my notes, but 1 Corinthians 5, 9, it says, I wrote unto you in an epistle, not to company with fornicators. Yet not altogether with the fornicators of this world or with the covetous or extortioners or with idolaters. For then must ye needs go out of the world. What he's trying to tell us is he's trying to say that this body is reserved for God. And all the immorality of this world, we need to separate ourselves from that. Praise God. We need to separate ourselves from that. We shouldn't be one of the people out here having one night stands and doing this and doing that, right? God's called us to be dedicated to Him. 
that vessel. I told my wife, uh, I just wish I had a, a really expensive vase, but I'm poor and I couldn't afford anything like that. So, uh, but if I had, I'd said it here because I, I just wanted, I just kept seeing in my mind over there's the world and the dirt and all that stuff. And over here is a dedicated vase. And this vase, this body, God says, it's mine. I bought it with a price. I reserved not just the spirit and the soul, but I've reserved the body of this vase. And I've called it holy, precious in my sight. And he says, don't defile it. Don't mess it up. Don't, don't, don't get it dirty. Preserve it. Keep it holy. Keep it separated. Well, how can I do that? How can I remove myself from relationships in this world? People who are sinners. Now, let me be very clear here. and We're going to talk more about this particular thing later, but let me be very clear. I recognize today there are some people you just can't separate yourself from. They're family members, right? They're coworkers. They're bosses. You know, I'd, I'd you know, be able to tell some of my family members, sorry, can't spend time with you today. You're a sinner. <laughs> I recognize that we can't do that, but... Here's a concept that I felt like God had given me. Maybe this can help somebody. If we are to be the temple of God, let's use the Old Testament model. The Old Testament model, the closer you got to the preserved holy place, the crowd got smaller. Everybody's allowed outside the gates, right? Befriend everybody. Be kind to everybody. And those you allow in the outer courts, it's okay for them to be, as long as they're not pushing their sin on you. As long as you're able to be friends with them without them pulling you out of the church, causing you to fall into sin. As long as they respect your convictions, you can allow them into the outer courts. But those people who come into the temple... The priesthood, those people have to be holy and set apart. These are people that I believe are precious in God's eyes. I would, I would say these are the, the church, the people of the church. That I would open up my doors and allow the people of the church to have a serious relationship in my life. A friendship, companionship, whatever it is. And then ultimately you're going to find that one person that you're meant to be with. And maybe you've already found him or her. Hallelujah. And at that point, that needs to be somebody who is set apart in holiness and purity. This needs to be somebody who, even more so than everyone else, has a relationship with God, who is holy unto the Lord and set apart, and then that person becomes that one person in your life that you build a life with and a relationship. Is that okay? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Does that help us today? Praise God. I think this is so important because, look, the Bible tells us that next 
area which we are to be set apart is as the bride of Christ. The bride of Christ. Just as a person forsakes all other romantic relationships, actual or potential, to enjoy the total commitment of a marriage relationship, so we must renounce worldly living as part of our new life in Christ. I mean, if you get married, you have to recognize you've got to leave some things behind. You're separating yourself from an old lifestyle so that you can build a new life with this person. Oh, let me tell you, you've got to build a new life with Christ. Hallelujah. When you first come into this thing, you've got to separate yourself. It's time to learn everything all over again. I got to learn how to talk. I got to, hallelujah, praise God, isn't this true? You got to learn how to build a relationship. I got to learn how to dress. I got to learn how to act. I got, everything changes when we become married. So should it be when we have a walk with God and we're separated and dedicated to God. Everything becomes different. James 4 and 4, ye adulterers and adulteresses. That's some pretty strong language. I have not preached like that tonight. So you can at least recognize that. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of this world is enmity with God or an enemy of God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Let me again be very clear. This is talking about, friend, of the world, the sinful, carnal atmosphere of the world. This isn't to say we are to cut absolutely every person in our life that's from our old life. This isn't to say that all of a sudden we are mean to them, nasty to them. But it is to say if they are the prevalent source of sin and worldliness in your life, then you're going to have to cut them out. Praise God. All right. Just hold on. I'm telling you, when I came into the house of God, I'm I'm closing soon. When I changed my life and I committed my life to God, I dedicated my life to God. I was a young person in the youth group, and it was just common for every person after service to go outside. All the youth would go outside, go around the church, and just do whatever stuff, bad stuff together. This was part of the youth group. That was part of what I was a part of before I gave my life to God. And I knew, I knew after I decided, I fully decided I'm going to give everything to God, I knew I couldn't do that anymore. So I wouldn't even dare go outside the church after service. Because I knew if I got close to that, I was going to fall into the same stuff. I was going to fall into the same sin. This isn't just cutting people out just because we cut people out. This is so that we can be holy and dedicated to God. It took me years before I was able to talk to some of those friends again and actually build a relationship with them again. Because I needed to wait until I was strong enough to be able to not fall into sin when I was around them. Is this okay here today? Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians 10, 21. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. You cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and of the table of devils. You can't drink from both. You can't eat from both. Why? 
Do you provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? He is a husband expecting a wife that is committed and dedicated to him. Just as you would be dedicated or desire a husband or a wife that is dedicated to you. So we must be that way. Why is this thing ringing? Praise God. I got people calling me and they're, this is ringing now. There we go. Hallelujah. Because he gets jealous. He is a jealous God. He's not willing to share us with anyone else. That's why 2 Corinthians 6.14 tells us, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. If you would to take a cow and yoke a cow up with a horse, it probably wouldn't be a day between one or both of them, before one or both of them would be dead. Because they both are completely different breed of animals. They eat differently. They walk differently. They would choke each other because of that yoke that is upon them. And it is true for us in ungodly or or in a relationship with people who are not in the church and do not have the same convictions as we are. We are different breeds. And to bind ourselves to them, to yoke ourselves together with them through marriage, it would be as that cow and that horse. Now let me be very clear. If you are saved and you're with already in a marriage, with somebody who is not a believer, the Bible says to stick it out because you may be able to change their heart and to see them saved. Hallelujah. But if you're not already in it, this is his advice or this is his commandment. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Is this okay today? Hallelujah. How about we stand to our feet? Matthew 5:14 Ye are the light of the world a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel but on a candlestick and it giveth light unto all that are in the house let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father which is in heaven one question I expect may have already arisen in your mind. Well, didn't Jesus eat with the sinners? Yes. And this is the reason right here. So that he could be a light unto them. So that they could see his good works and glorify God. 
Hallelujah again. Praise the Lord. If you can't be friends with them and stay saved, you need to cut that relationship out of your life. But let me tell you something. Hallelujah. The way that we can commune with the world is by being a light for the Lord. It's by letting our good works, our holiness, our sanctification, our being separated and dedicated unto the Lord. This is how we show them how good good God is. It's by being the light. Being the light. You can only be a light if you come out of the darkness. Am I right here today? Hallelujah. You can only be the light if you don't join the darkness and you become part of that light. Let your light so shine before men. Praise God. And I could go on and on. I've got notes uh, until I could teach this probably for three or four more lessons. But I'll end it here. Praise God. We must be light to those who are in this world. But that means I must be separated. I must be dedicated to the Lord. Let me ask you something. Have you dedicated yourself to God? And I'm not even just talking about separating from the world right now. I just mean dedicating your life. I mean telling God, you know what, God, I give everything to you. I give you my heart and my mind. I give you my body. I give you my time and my attention. I dedicate myself to the work of the ministry. I dedicate myself to church. I dedicate myself to prayer. I dedicate myself to being a light unto this world. I'm wondering if we could come down to this altar for just a few minutes here today and if we can call out to the Lord and say, God, Today, I dedicate myself to you. Today, Lord God, I desire to be set apart by you. Today, Lord Jesus, I give you my heart. I give you my mind. I give you my 